Welcome to Podstream Live. I'm Ross Brand. He's Michael Kenny, and it's great to have you with us for episode three. We're doing this every day at 2 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. And of course, you can also find us on Spotify and several of the podcast apps if you'd like to listen in audio version. But we are live and love to have you in the chat and being a part of it. Michael, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, Ross. How are you? I know it's going kind of crazy. I know that start was a little rough. I understand. There's a lot going on right now. We've got a lot to talk about in this show as well. Well, thank um, you for letting the podcast listeners know that we had a rough start. We, uh, well, I thought we had smoothed it out, but that's all good. Listen, I was on a live stream yesterday, uh, Kimberly Flowers. I was on her show, uh, Beauty and the Brand, it's called. And uh, it's just coincidental that my last name is Brand. It wasn't my show, as some people had might have thought after they looked at the graphic. But the question I was asked was... What would be the number one piece of advice you would give somebody who has to take what might have been an in-person event and do it virtually, a virtual conference, a virtual summit, that kind of uh, event? And, and if you're live streaming it, what would be the advice you would give, the one most important piece of advice you would give to somebody in that position? Wow, that's, that's a big ask. I would say in that position... You know, the key with these virtual conferences as opposed to a live event is is keeping the attention of the viewers. So I would try to make it as visual as possible um, because, uh, uh, you know, you want to have that variety and that dynamic to keep people's interests. Because when they're at home and you're in front of a computer, there's lots of distractions, right? People start checking their email and they're not paying attention. So try to keep things dynamic. And my suggestion would be, since I come from television and video, is to have a visual element and keep changing that visual element in order to make your uh, your conference more dynamic. That makes that makes good sense. Actually, that's a great answer. Uh, what I said was over prepare. Be prepared yes. for every situation. Uh, think of all the things that we should do to prepare, even for an hour live stream show. But most likely we can get away with if we don't have backup plans and we don't have full outlines and, you know, know where everything's going at the moment. There's plenty of room to leave open for allowing things to happen and the conversation to go spontaneously. And if something goes wrong, to find a way to fill that space. But if you have, say, an eight hour event that you're live streaming, you ought to have some pre-recorded segments that you can drop in. You ought to be prepared for what can happen if a guest, you know, or a speaker can't show up, if, uh, you know, there are technical issues, if you can't go live for some reason. You, you, you should have everything sort of lined up, and even your sessions, in order to stay on time, have to be much tighter than if you're doing a one-off, a one-hour live stream or a half-an-hour live stream. You need to make sure that you're staying on schedule for everybody. So there's a lot of preparation, I think, that would go into it that would be even more crucial to do than you would do, say, for a show like, even a show like we're doing, and we do a fair amount of prep, but imagine if we were doing eight of these in a row. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Preparation is key. And if you can do like a dry run through 
in the television, that's what we would do when we did mm-hmm. shows that were live or live to tape, as we called it. You do what's called a dry run through and kind of walk through to check, you know, make sure the technical stuff is working, make sure, you know, the angles are right, that kind of thing. So as much as possible, if you can walk through ahead of time with all your equipment, that would be a big help because you really don't know what you're going to run into right. until you actually do it. It's hard. It's very difficult to anticipate all the, the hiccups that might occur. Yeah, and when you're on for that long, there's going to be something. So the more you're able to eliminate ahead of time, the better. We've got a lot of news going on, and our, our title today was about whether the Internet's going to have a meltdown And certainly there's some big news out of the EU. Uh, Michael, I'll I'll turn it over to you for this story. And that title, you know, that's not a clickbait title. That's not hyperbole. Um, The EU is asking Netflix and YouTube to limit their service to prevent a crash, a network crash with the Internet. So the EU has asked content providers, YouTube and Netflix, to cap their services to ease the burden on broadband networks caused by increased traffic because so many people are home now and of course they're looking for content so they're going to be online they're going to be on netflix they're going to be on twitch they're going (laughs) to be all over the place and this is putting a strain on the load i can't even imagine what it's like at the amazon the aws servers right now i bet you can fry an egg on some of those servers right now (laughs) you're saying they're running a little hot (laughs) i'm sure their air conditioning bill just went up 40 percent um, so the EU, though, seriously, is um, is asking uh, Netflix and YouTube to cap their service. And one suggestion is to actually limit the content to standard definition as opposed to high definition or 4K to reduce the data consumption. So this is a serious issue. And actually today, I kind of went around the home. I've got two. I've got a teenager and a preteen. And I kind of did some... Uh, laid down some law in terms of internet use and said, hey, listen, if you have a device you're not using, turn it off, turn off the Wi-Fi, get it off the network. Let's just save bandwidth where we can, because this is a this is a real issue. Yeah, I, I think one of the interesting aspects of this is we've become so used to these services, everything in HD video and you know, uh, the highest quality that we're, we're able to stream. And for people who like to watch Netflix or YouTube on their smart TVs, they may notice those old bars coming back in, right? If it's going to standard definition, it may yep. look like when uh, something from 10 years ago is broadcast. <laughs> right, exactly. And I should mention that this story is coming from uh, Tech Radar. And just a little note, Ross, here. Um, the Italian uh, telecom, Telecom Italia in Italy, mm-hmm. recorded a 75% increase in Italian data traffic over wow. the weekend, this past weekend. So this is, you know, we may be uh, live streaming at 240p here on Twitch by the end of the week. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Let's hope we're not going <laughs> to. So now, is it, does this impact uh, North America, or is this strictly... Uh, you know, no, no, in other words, is it possible for YouTube to say, okay, we'll set Europe to uh, 720p, we'll set you know North America to 1080p, we'll... <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it 
it may be region by region. I I don't I don't know. And they're not they're not even asking for 720p. They're saying 360p. Oh, really? Like standard definition. We right, want you right. to put your content set at the standard definition to save data. So this is interesting. We don't want to be breaking the internet, particularly now when we're, you know, we're social distancing and we're at home or working from home. And right. never mind all the services and devices uh, that are connected to the internet, the internet of things and all that stuff that relies on the internet to, to work. Um, so I'm sure there'll be more stories, uh, more updates about this in the future. See, now I've come to believe that 720 is standard definition. Remember, there used to be leaded and unleaded gas. And if you said regular, it, 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 you, that would be different from saying unleaded. And then once all gasoline was unleaded, then it became regular, just meant the lowest, uh, you know, the lowest right. uh, entry level service of unleaded so yeah. it's like we're so used to either this platform streams in 720 or they stream in 1080 that 720 has become our standard but you know what if the worst thing we have to do is watch some videos in 360 or is that what it is 360 yeah 360 okay so that, if that's the worst thing that happens or 480p yeah we i think we'll we'll get through this okay well, you know, it reminds me, I'm, you know, I'm old enough and I'm sure you're old enough to remember when there wasn't, you know, the internet wasn't always on mm. when you had to dial in, <laughs> right? <laughs> you had to log in or dial in if you wanted to use the internet. And uh, it's kind of what I'm kind of instituting here at home a little bit for the kids and everyone else is, hey, listen, if you're not using that device, turn off the Wi-Fi. If you want to use it, you can turn on turn on the Wi-Fi, and it's kind of sort of like you know you're kind of connecting as needed, like back in the days when right. we didn't have always on internet. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. The internet usage is obviously way up with all the people telecommuting from from home. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, a lot of people are watching Netflix or watching YouTube videos or watching Twitch streams and, you know, it's great. People need entertainment, but then there's folks who are using, using the internet for work, right? Teleconferencing and other remote work that if, you know, if it goes down, that that's a big problem or it gets slow. I think it's probably a less, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm sort of predicting less of a danger of it crashing and more of an issue of it slowing right down. Right, so right. it's it getting throttled down to the point where it's, you know, hopefully not unusable. Yeah. So let's move on to our next story. It's about Google halting all new Chrome updates. And basically what this means is they're deciding that with everybody working from home and being connected at all times to your boss, to your company, to your customers, is now so important for people on their personal computers at home that they're not up going to update Chrome so that you don't have to worry about updating your browser. You are connected at all times. Basically, let's make it as stable and high quality as we can in the version that we're at, but not uh, unduly burden anybody to have to, uh, you know, load up updates and things like that. Yeah, it's, again, just putting things on pause, right? It, it seems like our entire sort of, society is being forced to to press the pause button but i'm glad that you know stability is important and um if, if it ain't 
broke, <laughs> don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. So, so that I, that I story's get... from Tech Radar as well. Uh, what else do you have for us, Michael? Well, let me see, Ross. Let me see. Oh, yes. Teleconference. We're talking about teleconferencing and working right. from home. And uh, this little article from Forbes and actually talks about the different uh, teleconferencing platforms. So Microsoft Teams, Skype, Zoom, and uh, Google Duo, which I've heard of, but I have to admit I've never used. I think this is the replacement to Hangouts. Um, but it just goes through and talks about, and the the, um, the author rates the different um, platforms and the ones he uses. And he actually uh, says that Microsoft uh, Teams is his number one pick. Hmm. And that um, when it comes to stability, he found that uh, Zoom wasn't as stable uh, as Microsoft Teams and that uh, Skype had problems with uh, lag on the voice calling. And he and he always would do audio. He would never <laughs> turn on his camera for right. his meetings because, you know, <laughs> you don't want to have to change out of your... Uh, your pajamas you don't want to have to get uh, dressed that's one of the parts no, of working no. from home that's right i mean if i got to put on track pants <laughs> ross that's 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 like uh you know that's like uh, almost formal casual formal over here yeah um, i mean the, the camera doesn't really go below uh certain yeah. levels so you know you're pretty much good other than throwing a t-shirt on i think well but. yeah you know and that's the thing too i mean with the show we're doing i gotta you know i gotta dress up every day i gotta <laughs> I got to change my T-shirt. That's just that's asking a lot. Yeah, that's asking a lot for somebody who works from home. And don't you folks shame me because you know you do the same thing. <laughs> Those folks who work from home, you're wearing that shirt, that T-shirt for a day or two. Anyway, I'm um, making use of all five black T-shirts this week. <laughs> exactly. Is yeah. that the midnight black or the uh, the <laughs> the the, <laughs> the smudge black? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's but anyway, funny. so get, getting back, so yeah, so he sort of looks at these different platforms. I know Zoom is is blowing up right now, and um, and it, people are using it quite a bit, and they're really taking advantage. If you've probably seen some articles online of the background replacement feature, right, in Zoom, where these these teleconference and these, these meetings are taking on a whole new feel with these. Uh, you know these elaborate backgrounds people are using on these conferences to the point where some people have actually <laughs> taken a picture of themselves and posted it as the background and then left for the meeting <laughs> so they have this picture of them looking very you know attentive and then they they leave and go do the laundry or <laughs> and so, someone said hey you know that's not the way you do it you have to do a looping video yeah of yourself listening and that's that's the ticket. Now, I don't know if Zoom's background replacement technology is just images or if it's video. But if it's video, then you have yourself, you know, you're going to have to film a few minutes and you sit there and you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just put that on a loop. Yeah, look over, grab a pen, you're writing some, mm -hmm. <laughs> smile. Exactly. Eh, you just hope you don't smile at the wrong time. Yeah, exactly. It, exactly. It's not. It's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, you know, it's going to take a level of production rehearsal. It becomes a whole production now. Yeah, you have to do rehearsals. 
you know, going to have to do a, a you know, a read through. <laughs> I, I still th- saying, I still think saying your, you know, your bandwidth is a little shaky, so I'm going to turn off the uh, the video so as not yeah. to, uh, you know, not to interfere with uh, anybody's connection. Exactly. Might be the better way to go about it. Oh boy! <laughs> not that I've ever done that, but that no, would be the I'm way never. as a broadcast professional i would say would be the most appropriate way to handle that situation that's right now now we do not encourage <laughs> not at this all kind of behavior you know at your workplace we are just you know we talk about tech and different video techniques and that's how we're approaching this so talk about things going back to normal mm-hmm. you know i'm not quite sure if we if if we're in this for a while and people uh, start getting used to these tools, these online mm. tools for communicating, for for conducting business, for teaching, who knows? Maybe people start finding efficiencies in it. And as as I've seen some people prognosticate that this actually this situation may change the way we work mm. profoundly moving forward um, in terms of all the people who now have to work from home. So it will be, I, I suspect it won't go back to what it was before. Um, what it's going to be, I'm not sure. But this is a, this is a you know, to use an overused term, inflection point um, mm. in society in terms of how we work and how our society works. And usually when these things happen, they change how we move forward. So right. uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I have a feeling that things will be a bit different. Now with the economy to some, to a large extent coming to a standstill i don't think you'll be able to take this this time of trial of people working at home and say measure it against the same period last year because it would be an unfair comparison but to the extent that companies have other productivity measures they can look at they may be pleasantly surprised to find that more work's getting done when yeah. people don't have to commute, when they're not distracted by conversations and office politics and uh, all the little things that go into working in an office, when they don't have to pay the overhead for all that space, they may be able to run numbers where they can project that if they keep it this way going forward, they'll have a more productive workforce, less less uh, spent in resources, physical resources, and uh, it could end up being a better, uh, you know, a win-win for everybody involved. Well, so many uh, modern startups are, you know, it, they're, they're, they're remote. They're, the majority of their workforce is remote. Right. And depending on the type of business you, you, you do, if it's, you know, information-based, data-based, you know, if, if you spend all day at a computer, right. um, you know, you may want to reevaluate moving forward. Um, are why are we asking this person to come into the office and sit at a desk and use the computer? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, it, it's very different than when somebody's working an assembly line job or something yeah. like that. In, in an age where most people are doing their job on a computer, what's the difference between doing it on a computer from home and doing it on a computer from office when this, the productivity measures and the way we you know, we track what's being done and what's being accomplished and sales made and all that stuff is going to be the same whether they work from home or they work in an office. That yeah. that sort of fear of like people go home and, oh, they're not going to work. Well, you know what? You, you, you really can measure it the same way now because it's all 
being done on a computer anyway. <laughs> exactly. And you know, it's all the it's it's about how you measure productivity. Mm-hmm. You know, is 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 sitting at a desk for from 9 to 5 productive or is it what you create or produce in that time? Exactly. Right? So it, it seems like to me depending on obviously again what kind of work you're doing, it's more dependent on the deliverables in terms of how we measure uh, being productive. And so if you can get things done on deadline, if you get, if you're getting up at, you know, 5 AM right. and you're working till nine, 10, and then you get the job done and then you go watch Netflix for a bit or go, you know, go for a run or spend some time with your family. If the work's getting done, you know, how, what difference does it make really how it's getting done? Right. As long as the stuff is being right. delivered, Right. Like that's not the same for every type of work, but for a lot of work, it's based on deliverables. And if you can deliver the deliverables on time, it shouldn't really matter too much how you're getting there. Especially in an era when people are really expected to be accessible 24 seven. We're getting messaged on all sorts of social platforms on LinkedIn through email. And a lot of times we're responding at night on weekends and so forth. So, the idea of a truly sort of nine to five, sit at your desk, you're done at the end of the day, you go home, you don't look at work till nine the next morning. That's a world that uh, really doesn't exist anymore. So continuing to pretend that that's the world that we live in isn't really serving either the business or the employee. Yeah. And some people like it's not for everything. And, and a right. lot of employers have a blend, right? They'll mm-hmm. do like, OK, you can work from home and then we have a weekly meeting or or a bi-weekly meeting where we want everybody on site. So at least you can, you know, connect with the people you're working with just for social reasons and things like that, which, which is important too. Right. But um, yeah, so they do a blend, but if, if all you're going to do is sit in a cubicle for eight, nine hours at a computer, you know, using up resources to get there, using up resources while you're there. I don't know. I think, I think after this, some, some businesses may rethink how, they're conducting their business. Uh, so Fox is selling its stake in Roku. It owned about 5% of Roku, so it wasn't a really running Roku by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it had a stake in Roku, and instead it's purchasing with that money the ad-supported streamer Tubi for $440 million. And this seems to be the the trend that bigger companies are, bigger media companies are purchasing these uh, ad-supported, basically free streaming networks. Uh, Viacom recently purchased Pluto TV, Comcast purchased Zumo, uh, NBC Universals and uh, talks to acquire Walmart-owned Vudu. And so it seems that uh, this is another way for someone like Fox or NBC or Viacom to have another outlet to distribute their their content, which is why they would probably be interested in purchasing a major stake in 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 these independent broadcasting uh, online OTT, whatever you want to call them, networks or services, uh, because otherwise I think they intend to let them run as they do. They're not necessarily looking to create specific content for these platforms so much as be it a, a distributing 
uh, avenue for content that they're already creating on their other networks. What, we're not going to have Walmart Plus? (laughs) (laughs) This is the era of the Plus, right? (laughs) Costco Plus? There's going to be a lot of Plus channels coming down the line. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's, you know, it's always the play is to build audience, right? It's always that that's the play for entertainment. So with the networks getting all these streaming services, you're they're getting closer to where people spend a lot of their time. So if if you've got an in there now, I don't know how these things are going to compete with everything else out there. Um, but hey, why not? I think they're all trying to get a stake in the game here because, you know, everybody else is doing it and you might as well get in and see what you can do. And if it doesn't work out, you sell it, you know, you sell it for 440 million or 500 million or so, <laughs> or so on. But you got to, you know, you got to, <laughs> you got to be in the game to play. So, yeah. So the article from Tube Filter mentions that Tubi is currently available on 25 digital platforms nationally, comprises 20,000 film and TV titles. The company says that usage and monetization primarily via ads, have doubled over the past 12 months. Fox says it will operate Tubi as an independent entity with founder and CEO Farhad Masudi remaining at the helm. Fox will also seek to expand Tubi's content offerings by leveraging its news and sports programming at both the national and local levels. That said, Fox says is not looking to fund original content for Tubi. Right. Because we don't want to make stuff. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We've got more than enough with the broadcast network and the news channel and sports channels and regional sports channels and locally owned uh, stations and all the major markets. And, you know, (laughs) but this is I mean, this is just going to be another choice on your, you know, your Apple TV or your your Roku or whatever device your uh, what's the um, what's the Amazon one? Uh, fire something amazon fire tv yeah yeah you know so there's another choice right for yet another choice (laughs) for content and you know and they're at supported which means they need to get eyeballs that's right i think at some point fox is going to have to lay in a lot of cash to do a lot of marketing Mm -hmm. to get eyeballs because they're competing against all those other things those other services as well Also, Slack is doing a major redesign, should be out, if not already, uh, later today. That's from The Verge. Razer, the gaming hardware maker, is donating up to 1 million surgical masks, according to Tech Radar. And The Verge is also reporting that musicians are turning to Twitch to replace their canceled tours and... Maybe more than any other website, it, it looks like Twitch is where a lot of streaming is going these days. I guess we are the trendsetters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we took it yeah. there, huh? We're, we're filling in for, for Ninja after he left over to, <laughs> to Mixer. Yeah, no. But it's an interesting story because, a lot, you know, th- these artists were asked, why, why Twitch? And uh, one of the reasons or the big reason they said, well, you know, I need to, first of all, I need to survive. Right, <laughs> I right. can't do my shows. And that Twitch has the highest earning potential for live streams. Hmm. So I guess it's easier because Twitch has the system of bits and people can, which are kind of like 
not donations, but people can throw you some bits, which are have a monetary equivalent in, in the Twitch world um, and subscriptions and other things like that. And, you know, the free you can subscribe if you are a Amazon Amazon Prime user, you can get you can subscribe to a channel for free. So that channel does get some revenue, um, I guess, as a part of your your Amazon Prime subscription. So it seems to be that a lot of the reason is the monetary reason and how quickly. Now, of course, like any other like any other uh, platform like YouTube, Facebook, there are sort of benchmarks or metrics you need to meet right. to in order to to start getting a lot of revenue. Like on Twitch, they have affiliate and they have partner and there's all kinds of different requirements for that. But it's very easy to get started on Twitch and just start streaming. And I think in terms of a brand, Twitch fits very well with uh, with these artists. So they're doing all kinds of things. Um, and I'm worried Twitch is going <laughs> to work. That's why I, said, I wasn't kidding when I said AWS, which is Amazon Web Services. <laughs> They're they're having some emergency meetings right now. I'm thinking, okay, guys, how can we up capacity here? And somebody please open a window because it's getting hot in here. Right, right. <laughs> All these servers. Pretty much the whole world's on uh, Amazon servers. Well, right? Netflix is on Netflix is on AWS. Right. Even Amazon's competitors, a lot of yeah. them are on Amazon so, web servers. I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm even on AWS. What am I going to do? <laughs> I how think I that serve? is all that that is their biggest concern right now. Is... How am I going to serve my one megabyte documents? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You know, Twitch is really coming through and, and you know, this may be a turning point for Twitch mm-hmm. uh, right now because of, you know, the situation. And I know there was some talk about Twitch sort of receding because of YouTube coming and Facebook and, you know, mixers trying to get in there, too. And Twitch sort of having the, the market and being sort of the big player and some people talking, saying, well, maybe Twitch, it's time to, to do something else or, right. or look at your future. And then here we are. And they're becoming the sort of the go-to streaming, live streaming service for a lot of people, in particular artists. We discussed our own tips on our first show, and we discussed what we would do if we were starting out with online video, knowing what we know now, and how to use that for our conference calls and our work appointments, and what would be some tips we would share. Well, there is a new article out uh, just a couple days ago in Mashable, where the author provides a checklist for what's going on with uh, their tips for uh, using video conferencing. And so I thought we would bring that up and take a look and see how their recommendations compare with our recommendations. And it's, this is, again, from Mashable, and it, it covers eight tips for better video conference calls. Yeah, this is uh, good. I'm, I'm kind of going through it here. And the first one, the first of the eight tips is be aware of your surroundings. I think we discussed this. We did. About finding a, a, a suitable background and a suitable environment that doesn't have a lot of noise. And they suggest, uh, you know, closing the window if it's a noisy street. And in terms of lighting, they, they kind of jump into lighting from surrounding, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me because to me that's not the same thing. But anyway, <laughs> they talk about, um, you know, the lighting and having a soft fill on your face 
using a desk lamp with a shade or uh, using your windows and avoid harsh direct light. I guess like a, you know, I don't know, flashlight or something like that. Um, and face the windows. So I think I discussed this when I was talking about lighting for webcams is having the light on you, facing you, having the light behind the camera. Otherwise, the camera will struggle with exposure. So yep. the, the second tip is get creative with how you connect. And this one I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with. It says most companies have a favorite service they use, like Skype, Google Hangouts, or Zoom. If you're working on a personal computer, all you'll have to do is download the appropriate desktop app or click a link and log into your account. The author goes on to suggest if you think you have a, a fast and right and find the right video call service that fits your needs. Remember that most mobile messaging apps have video capabilities and goes on to mention Facebook Messenger, Signal, Android Messages, and Google Hangouts, among others, allow for limited video calls. Many of these services have web and desktop apps. FaceTime also allows group chats and supports receiving phone calls on your computer. Now, I I would disagree with this. I would say use what your company Tells you to use, use what Mm -hmm. the majority of people that you're working with are comfortable with and stick to the ones that are the business world has decided they're comfortable with, whether it's because of the security, the quality, the formatting, whatever it is. If they're comfortable with Skype or Google Hangouts or Zoom, I would rather spend my time learning how to use those the best that I can in order to communicate effectively with whom I need to deal rather than, for instance, suggesting a FaceTime call, which to me doesn't smack of uh, the most (laughs) professional uh, setup that you can have. And uh, I would, I would, you know, I would stick with what the company wants to use. They have their own reasons for doing it and not be uh, so adventurous in this area. Yeah. I think it's important. There's so many choices and, uh, you know, this is kind of a, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to make too many choices. Right. You want to use the service that your, your, your workplace sanctions, right? The one that they use at standard. Now, having said that, if you want to have sort of side conversations with your colleagues or you, you need to check or maybe small teams or a group of you need to talk about a project, you know, having a, you know, if, if, if your company uses Zoom primarily, Setting up a little Skype call on the side with your, the people you're working with on your team kind of off to the side isn't a terrible thing. But, yes, definitely uh, stick with one one service so people aren't confused. And the last thing you want to do is have all these people on different services hmm. and nothing's coordinated and nobody knows where do I go. Am I, are we doing this meeting on Hangouts or are we doing it on Zoom? Well, I heard it was going to be on Skype and that. Yeah, I think they're just kind of giving you all the choices right, right. the author was. Um, which can be incredibly overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess it's just to see the, all the different things that you can do. Uh, I, I would say master the service that you need to use for work that your company wants to use. And then if you happen to know the other services and somebody seeks out your opinion, hey, would it be better, you think, if we move from Skype to zoom if you can have everybody a certain way or whatever then of course offer your opinion if you are asked if you are seen as an expert on these platforms 
but I would not be sending people to a platform that the company hasn't yeah. recommended because they have their reasons, whether, again, it's security, whether they have a deal with one of these providers that they've already, you know, bought a whole suite of services from. I yep. think it's a risky, it's a risky maneuver. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. You just stick with stick with one and yeah, and stick with the one that's sanctioned by your uh, workplace. Let's look at this one here because I was talking about this earlier in the show and talking about bandwidth. This mm -hmm. is a really important one. And I think people don't really realize all their different devices and things that are hooked to their networks are sucking bandwidth. Even when they're not using them to a certain point, they're kind of just staying in touch with the network, with the router. And that does take a little bit of bandwidth. And so if you have like 10 devices, that's some bandwidth. Like I, like I said earlier, I've got two, <laughs> two kids here. I got a teenager and a preteen. And they're just lighting up the bandwidth over here. Um, so in terms of what they're recommending here in the Mashable article, clear out the bandwidth hogs. So mm. one of the downsides of video chats are the pixelated screens and choppy audio that comes with lackluster bandwidth. If you're expecting a video call or three, call, make sure, call, uh, make sure the smart devices in your home aren't hogging the connection. So kids... On their video games, streaming Disney Plus, they're streaming Netflix, they're streaming YouTube, they're they're playing Minecraft with somebody right. remotely and and FaceTiming them at the same time. That's what my kids do. Right. So uh, you may want to, <laughs> you know, even the even the robot vacuum, you know, the iRobot going around. Everything that's attached to your network is going to be drawing on the bandwidth, which reduces the bandwidth right. for your video call. And uh, so, you know, you want to make sure you shut that stuff off uh, as much as you can when you do video, particularly video, because video is, you know, a bandwidth hog versus audio, which doesn't take up as much bandwidth. Right. Um, so you may have to fall back if you have an issue with bandwidth. You may have to fall back to an audio only um, conference. And I would think most employers would understand that, that you don't have total control over the bandwidth in your environment, whether you are by yourself or you are with other people in a home. Uh, there are other factors, whether it's your Internet service provider, whether it's, you know, uh, what other people in your house do that you can't always control. And I think if you have to switch to audio, I think people would be understanding of that as long as you're still present and participating in, in the call, the, the other thing I do is I typically, when I go live, and I plug in with an Ethernet cable so that I have a direct connection to the router instead of going through Wi-Fi, but I still turn off my Wi-Fi on, on my phone that's sitting next to me here, so it's on cell for the hour that, you know, we're live, and if Michael needed to text me or somebody else needed to text me about something or send me a Facebook message or anything, I can still get that in my phone, but it's not competing with the limited resources I may have from uh, my, my home network. Exactly. And another shock, I should just mention talking about bandwidth, and this is a shock that people run into who haven't done video conferencing before, is their internet speed. Mm. And in terms of uh, internet uh, packages, you can get like a, the, the first number, whichever is 500 megabits or 200 mm -hmm. or 100. That's your download speed, mm -hmm. which is great for Netflix and for YouTube, but it's your upload speed right. <laughs> that is critical when you're live streaming or 
conferencing. And a lot of people get a package that has a, a high download speed, but right. the upload speed is not very high. And then they, re they wonder why their quality is so bad. So you may want to also check <laughs> your internet speed and see what your upload speed is. Like, for example, for live streaming, you know, I think it's, what is it for? If you're going to live stream 1080p video, I think you need to have, I think at least 10. I think, I think so. 10 up. Maybe five for 720. Upload. Yeah, five for 720. And some people are, you know, don't even have that. They have, you know, one or two. Mm. I mean, it may, it may handle Skype, but that's a shock. People say, why is, why is my quality so bad? And they don't know. And it's because perhaps your upload speed is pretty slow. Well, my upload speed, if I'm using Wi-Fi from where I'm, my office is situated, is around 20, I think. But when I'm plugged in, it's in the 80s. Yeah. So that's the difference. And it's not just speed. It's also the size of what it can send. And there, there's a whole bunch of different factors. But, uh, yeah, check your do a speed test. That's certainly one way to know and, and also understand which internet package you ordered from your internet provider to know whether maybe for what you're doing you need to increase or maybe your company would offer that to you if they need you on a lot of calls and that's yeah. that's that's certainly an an issue if we move on to the next item i agree wholeheartedly with the author log in early don't wait around for the meeting to start make sure you know ahead of time how your connection is uh, make sure your software works properly. Test before the conference. Uh, many of the platforms that you would use for the call offer that. Uh, and he also mentions uh, if your laptop doesn't have an Ethernet port, you can pick up a cheap USB to Ethernet or Thunderbolt to gigabit Ethernet, which is what I use uh, in my MacBook Pro. I use that adapter so that I can plug in to my computer be hardwired and not have the issues of Wi-Fi. And I will also make sure that other devices within the home are not on Wi-Fi or, or internet, but they're on cellular during the time that I'm on the call. Yeah. Cause a lot of, I always advise people because the technical stuff, there's little things, those little details that'll trip you up. I call them the gotchas when I do my right. YouTube videos. And I try to point those out to people in my videos. Um, and you really want to walk through the technical stuff because each platform is different. Each interface is different. Some are more intuitive than others. So you want to really practice and give yourself some time to set things up so you know what's going on. Because Lord forbid you're in the middle of a, of, a, of a conference or you don't even know you're on. And you're, you know, and you're, you know, you're swearing or something's going on and you're not aware that you're on the on the call or you're trying to bring up a screen or something like that, and it's not working, and it's kind of holding up the meeting. So you want to, ahead of time, just make sure you know what's going on technically, setting up your camera, setting up your microphone, testing it out. There's a lot of, most of these platforms, they have a little sort of screen, a preference screen, where you can actually test to right. make sure your camera's working, make sure your microphone's working, make sure you can hear things. Um, so definitely step through that uh, well ahead of time before your call. You want to take the next one or shall oh, I take that? Sure. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to, okay. 
<laughs> no, no, I mean, no there's, you, you, you oh, hit it, well, you hit it out of the park on that one. There's well, the, the, the author did a nice job as well on Thank that you. one. <laughs> Thank you. Well, actually, this next one is related to what I was talking about when I mentioned microphones and right. audio, avoiding feedback. Right. This is one of those situations um, where people are using their built-in microphone and speakers on their laptops, and a lot of softwares come a long way where they have sort of algorithm inside them where they can. Uh, cancel out that feedback noise that you get. Basically what feedback is, is you're, you're speaking into the microphone. It's coming out of your speakers and that sounds going back into your microphone. It starts looping right? and you get this feedback issue, which is not pleasant for anyone. A lot of um, services, even I think StreamYard, which we live stream on has that built in. So, but I would recommend and as the author to use a headset, at the very least, you can use your built-in microphone, but use your earbuds or a headset just to avoid the echo and uh, the feedback issue. And if you're and they, using your earbuds that come with uh, a mobile phone, that'll probably have a microphone on it, right? So you can use that uh, will be better than your built-in microphone. It'll be closer to you as long as you don't uh make noise with it against your your shirt yeah that will be a better sound you'll sound much more present than than you will using the built-in microphone and at the same time you'll avoid feedback by having the earbuds in and listening that way rather than through the speakers yeah it's pretty easy that way you know with the microphone built into the to the earbuds just plug it in and go and if you don't have that then at the very least as i said if you have a pair of headphones sitting around just plug those in. Um, and like I said, for, for conference calling, is I mean, if you're using a laptop, you're fairly close. You're maybe a foot, foot and a half away. The built-in mic isn't the best, but it will still pick up your voice. Right. So, But at the very least, have, have a headset. Now, the next one, don't forget a charger uh, because long conference calls can drain a laptop battery pretty quick. You don't want to have to step away from the meeting to find your charger as battery warning blinks. Listen. I say plug in everything if you can if you need to if it's an important call even if it's not an important call when you have something that you have to do if you can plug in plug in and you know use your laptop when you're going through emails later in the day or you're watching a movie and you can bring it to another location and use it on battery but when you're at your desk and you're on a call that you need to be a part of or you're doing a live stream like we are, I always plug in. I don't even want to deal with how much battery life I have left and is it is my laptop charged or not. I plug that in. Same thing with the lights that I, I use to illuminate the green screen behind me, constantly plugged in, and then I just switch them off when I'm not using them. Now, if I were to take them on the road with me, then I would be taking the battery and the chargers and things because I don't know what outlets i'm going to have available to me but at home for something like this if you have the option to plug in go ahead and plug in yeah exactly and another issue another reason you should plug in particularly if you're using a laptop is a lot of us you know out of the box your laptop is configured for power saving modes right. so it'll shut down the screen it'll shut down the hard drives after a certain time so imagine being in the middle of a live stream and you're listening and nothing's going on and all of a sudden your your laptop goes into power saving mode and you know shuts down shuts down the hard drive <laughs> shuts down the screen and you're done um i've had that happen to me before um it's very embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> so plug in 
just plug in, have the power, uh, plug it. And also too, the, the power management in your computer and your laptop, it'll start diverting power as well because it kind of looks at what's going on in, in the computer and it might be pulling resources away from where you need it, which is your live stream or your conference, you know, the elements that help that go. And so, you know, it could degrade the quality of, of your live stream or your uh, video conference. So yeah, just plug in lights too. Mm-hmm. I've had batteries. <laughs> I've had batteries go out on lights in the middle of a sh- of a live stream in the middle of a shoot. Right. And you don't get a real warning, right? And all of a sudden <laughs> it just yep. goes, right? And it's it's embarrassing. Um so yeah, just just plug in and just have that peace of mind. And the the other thing is, you know, uh several years ago it used to be that you want to charge fully a computer or a mobile phone and then you want to run the battery down and then not plug in again until you get sort of to the warning zone and then charge it all the way to extend the life of the battery. Most of the batteries now don't require that. You obviously have to check your specific device, but at least as far as uh, Apple products go, I have an iPhone, I have a, a Mac computer, I, I don't have to be concerned about that anymore. So plug in when you when you have something you need to do and you don't want to lose power. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this last one, have a backup plan. Mm. Very important uh, in case something goes wrong. Now, keep in mind, this is a video conference. It's not, you know... It's not a you know a live performance <laughs> to millions of people. It's not a one-hour so, television spectacular. Exactly. How it goes live, it's say. not. It's not like. <laughs> it's not like the upcoming one-hour musical version of our show that will be coming up <laughs> <Yes>. next month. <laughs> it's not that. So, <laughs> so relax. <laughs> Don't get too stressed out about you know these things, but have a backup plan. Um, an audio only is usually the fallback. And uh, so, you know, if you're having bandwidth issues, you can just switch to audio. And another thing I've done before is a lot of these services have a dial-in number so that you can use your phone, cell phone, what have you, and you can dial in to the call or to the conference at the very least. So kind of have that number on hand just in case something happens, Um, but just have those fallback plans. So, you know, go to audio only in the service on your computer and then have that call-in number as a backup on your phone just in case. So I was looking at this article because I think it was a nice uh, summary, a nice uh, grouping of tips, and, and it was good for us to weigh in and provide our insights as well and also see how we compared with what, how we compared with what we offered the other day. And I was looking for the author's name to give the author credit, and turns out this was taken from PC Mag. So PCMag. the right. the credit goes to PC Mag for this, and I'm just gonna click over there and see. Nope, uh, that sends you back to PC Mag, <laughs> and back to uh, Mashable. So, uh, thank you to PC Mag and Mashable for making that available. Very interesting discussion and uh, some very interesting tips there. And it's important. We're all working from home. <laughs> Now, one of the things that I've been focused on, and not necessarily that I'm ready to buy yet, Michael, but I've been looking at and fascinated by mirrorless cameras and the possibility Mm -hmm. of live streaming with a mirrorless camera. And 
I've been a huge fan of the Canon M50, not as a 4K camera, and but as a camera that is very light, that's comfortable to hold, that, you know, I've seen people use in vlogging situations and they seem to love it. I've seen good photos from it, lots of good 1080p video from it. And unfortunately, th- thanks to you, or fortunately thanks to you, I should say, I didn't run out and get one as my first choice because it does have some weaknesses when it comes to live streaming as a camera. So now I've been looking at the Sony A6400 and Canon's uh, M6 Mark II camera, which is its next uh, more recent version step up uh, from some of its earlier uh, mirrorless cameras. Yeah, it's a gotcha, huh? Another gotcha. Yeah, there's no perfect <laughs> the M- solution, right? No, there isn't. And this is what I tell people because I get this question all the time. What camera should I get? And I say, well, what are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Because n- n- there's there's rarely a tool that does everything really well. So you have to ask yourself, what is it I, w- I want to do with my camera? The Canon M50 is a wonderful camera. The images are beautiful. It's light. It's got the, the fold-out screen. It's an incredibly great vlogging camera if you're vlogging. Mm. If you're live streaming, that's a different thing. So when you're looking for a, a mirrorless camera or any camera, DSLR or mirrorless, that you want to use for live streaming, the number one thing you need to check is does it have clean HDMI output? So what does that mean? So when you look at your screen on your camera, you see all the display, the numbers, and the settings. Now, a lot of cameras, when you output from the HDMI port in the camera to a monitor, you'll see all that same stuff on the monitor. So that's what's coming out of the HDMI port. You don't want that (laughs) unless you're doing some very avant-garde live stream. You don't want that in your live stream. Excuse me. So you want a clean output. You want the ability for the output from the camera to be clean without all that stuff. And not every camera, believe it or not, which today is remarkable, not every camera does that. And unfortunately, the M50 is one of those situations. Um, There's a great review by Adrian Salisbury. Um, he's a he's a video creator. He's a big ecam live user. He's on YouTube. You can go look for him. He did a review of the M50 for live streaming. And basically, what happened was he tried to use the HDMI output, and he got rid of the 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 settings, but he was left with the little autofocus window mm-hmm. that follows your face, right? The the auto tracking, the face tracking autofocus. Couldn't get rid of it. So. If you, unless you're using a uh, software like Ecamm Live, which has the ability to actually output through uh, the USB port in the camera right. and into your computer, um, you're you're kind of in a pickle there with the M50. Now he did that. He took the uh, the USB output and used that to go in the computer. Problem is, it's a lower quality picture, right? Slightly lower quality picture coming out of the USB port. Now, if you did want to use that camera with HDMI with something like StreamYard or Wirecast or another uh, software, there are third-party apps on your computer that can control the camera and override some of those settings. Uh, And so you could get a clean HDMI feed 
and you could, I believe, you know, overcome the recording limit and you can get a, a, a coupler, I guess, if you want to plug in so that you don't have to worry about battery. But it's a lot of steps that you have to take versus a phone uh, versus a camera that comes where you can be charging it and powering it and keeping it live for as long as you're live so you don't have to worry about batteries or couplers uh where it has a clean hdmi right out of the box you just change a setting the the less the less moving parts you have the easier the process of creating video is yeah and also uh, there definitely there's lots of third-party solutions for fixing that but you have to also consider what kind of load are those third-party solutions putting on your machine Mm. while because Ross, you know this. You're, right. you're the live streaming expert. The kind of load that live streaming puts on your machine, right? So for me personally, I like to lessen the load as much as possible and make things as simple as possible. Now, if you had no choice mm. and you had the M50 and you use it for vlogging, then, you know, take advantage of these third-party uh, solutions to, to, to do it, um, to convert it for live streaming, you know. But for me personally... I like, like you said, the fewer steps, the better. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's my, my feeling. Uh, I just don't like having to, to rely on a lot of plugins and a lot of extra stuff going on that I have to keep track of, uh, while I'm doing a live stream. I I really try to make my setup like as turnkey as possible. Right. Just turn, flip a few switches and go. The easier it is to do, the more often you're going to do it as well. Yeah, it reduces the friction, right? If you have friction, you're not going to do it. And that's video creation. I know we have all these amazing tools that make it so easy, relatively, and they're inexpensive. But it still takes effort to create the video, right? It still takes effort to come up with the content, to be here on camera, on the mic, and deliver. And that takes a lot of work. That's still labor-intensive. So even though we have these great tools the actual process can be can be an obstacle for people. So if you can reduce the friction of the process, take out as many steps, take out as many things you need to remember as possible, it's easier to be creating content, particularly on a regular, consistent basis. And creating content on a regular, consistent basis is what we're doing with Podstream Live. Ooh, nice, so Ross. we will be back tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, with another episode of Podstream Live. And, of course, you can find us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Twitch. You can also listen to us as a podcast. Podstream Live is available now on Spotify, Podchaser, and some of the other major podcasting apps. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, Michael. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, Ross. All right. Thanks, everybody.